Good morning again as we uh, worship together. We're kicking off a new series called Stand. And as you heard from the song earlier, I love that image, being standing before God with our arms wide and heart abandoned. I think that's the posture that God is calling us to be as his people in a world where um, it's hard, in a world where it's quite against God oftentimes. So we'll be taking a look at five stories in the book of Daniel. Uh, five different episodes of Daniel's life through these five weeks as we learn how to stand. How do we stand for God when the world's trying to put us down? How do we stand for God when everyone tells us to quiet down? So today we're going to kick off in the first chapter of Daniel. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn, uh, turn on your Bible, turn on your phone and flip to, flip, uh, open your Bible, flip to the first chapter of Daniel or go on the website to, uh, to open up the Bible. In Bible Gateway or U Version. We're going to be reading a little bit today in the story of Daniel in chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I want to encourage you. Hopefully you're joining us online. There's a link uh, in the chat box where one of our sister uh, graciously had made a um, note-taking template for you. And you can actually fill out that PDF right on the PDF and you can print it out. And so I encourage you to use that if you uh, have a hard time tracking with the sermon. It will give you some pointer how to follow in. And it will be great as you write them down, what God has laid on your heart, and reflect on it um, the rest of the week. The annual chapter 1. Let us read the word of God. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah... Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of the uh, house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his, his God, and placed a vessel in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both the royal family and of nobility, Used without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed them with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and the, of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths that are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. 
and deal with your servants according to what you see. Verse 14, so he did listen to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine and they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and visions and dreams. At the end of time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this story. Thank you for this book. Thank you for the history that's recorded about Daniel. But more importantly, thank you for being his God. So God, speak through us, speak to us today through your word. Help us to understand what you have for us today. Help us not just be hearers of your word, but be doers of your word. Lord, consecrate my mouth and my heart so that I can be a mouthpiece for you today. Thank you for this gift of your word to us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think as Christians, uh, it's hard sometimes, and we know of verses like Matthew chapter 16, 18, where Jesus uh, affirmed Peter, saying that the church will prevail, that the gates of hell will not prevail against us as Christians. But sometimes, particularly during this time, we feel very defeated, isn't it? We don't feel like we're winning. I mean, look at COVID. It's killing people. People are dying, and the world seems to be a worse place. Just yesterday, two spiritual giants had uh, passed away into heaven. John Lewis and J.I. Packer. John Lewis, an African-American who was involved in the civil rights movement. And we know that after all those years, after all those effort in bringing equality and racial justice, racial equality in this country, we know in just recent days, recent months, that battle seems to be barely moving along. We continue to deal with injustice in this world. So as Christians, sometimes we can get discouraged and wonder, have we really won? Are we even winning? Because so much of us feels like we're losing. But rather than crouching down and just pouting and wondering and being sad, God actually calls us to continue to stand. And that's what we're going to get into in these five weeks. How can we stand in a world that's crumbling down, a world that makes us feel like we're losers rather than winners as we look in Revelation? Today, we're going to start off talking about how can we stand out for God in this world? How is God calling us to stand out for him in this broken and sometimes harsh world? I want to begin thinking about um, uh, this, this scene Many of you may have gone to a baseball game. I don't know what it is about baseball games, but it seems to me that every time I go, maybe it's me, but every time I go to a baseball game, there is always a guy that find it really funny that he will take off his clothes and run down on the field. And we call those guys streakers, right? 
And for whatever reason, maybe in Dodger Stadium, the worst stadium in the, in the whole world, maybe that's people in LA do that. They just run around naked and we, they obviously stand out and everyone will be like, yeah, so funny. But, but we know how it ends, right? That guy always get tackled by the security guards and that guy get banned from going to the stadium again. And you see, there's a way for us to stand out and be a fool. And as you can just imagine, that guy probably got too much, too much to drink with his friend. Hey, don't you think it's a good idea? Why don't I dare you, double dare you to go down without your clothes? Okay, I'll do that. And just ran down there. And there's a way for us to stand out, but not really doing any, accomplishing anything, but making ourselves as a fool. And I don't believe that is the right, that's the, what Jesus was talking, God is talking to us about to stand out. Because when we stand out for the wrong reason, in the wrong way and at the wrong time, we are actually not bringing glory to God. When we talk about standing out, what God has in mind is for us to stand out for the right reason, at the right, in the right way and at the right time. And when we do that, people will hear and know about God. See, standing out was never about us. And standing out is always about making God known in this world. But one of the first things we must understand about, about standing out is that sometimes God allowed us to go through dark period of time, uh, hopeless situations so that we can actually stand out more for him. God sometimes allowed us to go through valleys so that they give us a background, a canvas of darkness to shine brighter for him. Because when we look at the story of Daniel from the very beginning, some background, we see Israel was in a dark place. Daniel chapter 1 verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. It was not something that was unpredicted. It was already prophesied many times, both by uh, uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah. God has forewarned the people, even before they enter into the promised land, that they need to be worshiping the one true God. And if at any moment after they continue to resist that, they're unwilling to repent of it, God said, I will kick you out of the promised land that I've given to you. And this is the fulfillment of that prophecy that God will use a kingdom called the Babylon, which is modern day Iraq right now, to come and, and besiege, take over, destroy you. And that's exactly what happened. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, brought his army, just destroyed the city of Jerusalem. But here's the thing though, he did not just destroy it and leave it alone. As we continue to read verse 2, that the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into uh, Nebuchadnezzar's hands. And not only did they destroy the land, to hear what it says, with the sum of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed a vessel in the treasury of his God. Not only did they destroy Jerusalem, King Nebuchadnezzar took what was most important to the people of God. The vessels, the beauty, the treasures into the temple, which represent the very presence of God. What marks the people, the Jewish people, the presence of God in the temple. They ransacked those things and, and to just to rub it into their face. Nebuchadnezzar took those things and put it into his temple. His own God's temple as if to say, I'm better than your God. If your God is so strong, how can I take, how can I destroy your city? How can I destroy his temple? And now what is his belongs to mine. 
But that is not enough because Nebuchadnezzar not only took the Jerusalem, not only take, take down the temple, he took the future away from God's people. Look at verse 3. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel. Who are these people? Those people from the royal family. Those people of nobility. The youths, particularly without blemish, good appearance, skillful in all wisdom. People with knowledge, understanding, learning, competent to stand in the king's palace. What King Nebuchadnezzar did was, he took the future away from God's people. He took the people who grew up in nobility. Well-doing family. They look people who are smart, who are good-looking. And they took, he took them all away to bring them to Babylon. And the text tells us to train them to, uh, to build in, to brainwash them to be the way, to be the people of Babylon. So not only did he destroy their homeland, not only did, they, did, he, did, did, did Nebuchadnezzar take away the most important thing from the temple, they took their future away. These young men, likely to be 15 to 20 years old, take them away the future of God's people and train them to make them to be serving the king of Babylon. Likely one day to go back to the country where they came from to rule over people on behalf of Babylon. And if you were the people of God, you must be wondering at that moment, did God forsake us? Has God abandoned us? Were we that bad that God finally abandoned us? God doesn't want anything to do with us. And I wonder for Daniel and his friends, they must be super conflicted because they're wondering, okay, here, here, I'm being treated nicely, having the best education, but at the same time, my own, I'm away from my own people. My people are being, being, uh, enslaved. They're living out of exile. That must be very confusing for these young men to think about, is this good? Is this bad? What should I do? And many times for many of us, we feel the same way, don't we? There are times in our lives we feel abandoned by God. Maybe you've been praying. You've been praying for healing, but for whatever reason, God didn't allow that to happen and you lost your loved ones. Maybe you've been praying for your family because uh, uh, argument, which is another Tuesday between your mom and your dad. And, and even as you prayed and trust God, somehow they decided to have a divorce. You feel abandoned by God. Maybe perhaps you're a single person. You're faithful serving God. You're reading his word. You're giving, being generous radically. But yet somehow, for whatever reason, you continue to be single. Everyone else around you, every time you sneeze, 10 people of your friends get married. You feel abandoned by God. You're like, God, I'm walking with you, but I feel, I feel like you're not there. And when we feel that, when we walk through those dark valleys, what we need to remember is what this book is all about, what the book of Daniel is all about. Because contrary to what most of us do with when we come to the book of Daniel, many of times we make the mistake of, of making Daniel the hero. That we celebrate and on one hand it's good that we model after Daniel. But, but we do the wrong thing in saying Daniel was so good. Therefore God is doing something for him. But when in reality the book of Daniel was not about how great Daniel was. But really about how great God was. And God has been and continues to be. And because God is great. Daniel in response by faith can do amazing things. That is the theme of the book of Daniel, that God is great and he is in control. He's above the fray of all the brokenness of this world. Soon we'll see in chapter 4, 
one of the greatest declaration of praise was recorded in the book of Daniel. And it was not done. It was not declared by people of God. But by the very enemy of God who took the temple vessels. Nebuchadnezzar. He declared that God was alone in control over all that we're going through. And that's what we need to remember. That is what we need to remember every time we go through that. And the reason why I point this out for us is because sometimes God does his best work in our darkest moment. Sometimes God does his greatest work when we feel most abandoned. I want you to imagine with me stars in the sky. Did you know that stars actually shine 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? But most of the time when we look out in the, in, in, into the sky, we don't see stars, particularly during daytime and noontime. is because the sun was super bright. The stars can be shining brightly, but the sun is overshadowing the brightness of those stars. But you know what happens when you step out of the, out of, uh, the, the city? If you ever get a chance to go camping, and when you go to a place which is far away from, from the city, and you look up in the sky, a pitch black, clear sky. You will be amazed by the abundance of stars shining brightly up in that sky. And you get to see the beauty of those stars in God's creation. And the reason why you get to see is because behind the background and the background, there is a black canvas of sky. And sometimes God does the exact same thing. In order for us to stand out more for God, he needs to put a back, a black background, a dark background behind of us so that we can, when we stand out, we will not be, 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 be lost in the light, but that we will shine even brighter, just like the star in a dark sky. But here's the thing, that while it looks beautiful and magnificent in a dark night with stars over your head and thousands of stars shining, Let's be honest, sometimes standing out for God is nowhere near that beautiful picture. Standing out for God is hard. Let's be completely honest here. Standing out for God is not this glorious picture. Therefore, there's this saying that we can stick out like a sore thumb. It is not easy. It is not natural. In fact, what I tell, what, what I would say is easy and natural is actually for us to blend in. For Daniel and his friend, he could easily blend in into the culture of, of Babylon. He could easily blend in into the religion of, uh, and, and that's worship in, in Babylon. It is so much easier to blend in, to sit uh, together with the people, to get lost in the crowd. Standing, standing out is difficult. Standing out is difficult, particularly because we have an enemy in this world that have fashioned the world in such a way that make us feel like we should and we, it's easy for us to blend in. Satan works really, really, really hard to make sure that you and I feel comfortable at home. It is the same way when Nebuchadnezzar brought these young men over. He used four things to make them feel really at home, to blend in easily. One of the first ways he does is he, he isolates them. Notice in verse 3, he asked uh, Ashpenaz to bring these young men out from their country into Babylon. He isolated them from their family, isolated what was comfortable to them. They put them in the place of a very vulnerable place. Imagine a 13, 14, 15 year old in a completely new place. 
Now they have no one to rely on but whatever that's given to them. And so often that's what Satan does to us. He isolates us. The same thing happens today in your life and my life. The only difference is no one forces us to be isolated. We isolate ourselves. We have devices like these, phones, and we just look down. All we need to do is we can shut off everybody. We don't even need to close the door and put our AirPods, and we can be completely isolated from our family, from our churches, from our friends, from people. And that's what saying does. He isolates us because when he isolates us, he does his best work, which leads to the second thing is, not only does he isolate us, he indoctrinate us. He tries to bring, wash us with what he sees as good for us. Look at verse 4 and 5. These young men being moved from uh, uh, from their home to a new place. And what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He gave them a good education. He teach them. He find the brightest man and teach them the literature and, and the language of the Chaldeans, which means the people in Babylon. And they gave him good food. They're trying to teach him all these things to be, to live the Babylonian ways. The same thing is true today, isn't it? There's a thousand rabbit trails that I want to go down to right now. But God is calling me not to. But you think about this for a second. Our current education system elevates science to be the king of all, the ultimate answer for our lives. But in reality, the very beginning, theology, understanding of God is used to be called the queen of sciences. You know why? Because science is meant to reveal what God had done, not to the other way around, where today we are being brainwashed to think that science actually excludes God. But when in reality, science allows us to see the greatness of God. And we're being brainwashed by our social media. We're being, being brainwashed by what we watch, what we listen to, what we lay eyes on. And we get things upside down, right for, to wrong, wrong to that. We're taught that you can do, you do you. Whatever, go with your heart. YOLO. We are, we are being indoctrinated to live this type of stuff and we feel okay about it. So we're being indoctrinated, we're being isolated, but not only that, not only in our mind, but even in our behavior. See, Satan is so tricky. He's trying to assimilate us, blend us in, cause us to be normal. Look at verse 5. Nebuchadnezzar not only teach them the Babylonian way. In verse 5, the king assigned them daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. So not only in the mind, but also in behavior, they get the best of food that Babylon had to offer. Think about for us today. We get the best of what this world offers in just a click and a swipe. A click can get us the pornography that we want to watch. A swipe can get us to buy things that we think we need, but really we don't need. The ease of life the streaming devices, streaming services that you get to watch things both here at home, on your bed, in the restroom. The amount of bombardment, of bombarding messages of the world continue to consume us. And we are told that it's okay because you just want to blend in with everybody else. Which leads to the last way, one of, not the final way, but one of the uh, major way how Satan trying to help us to blend in is by confusing us. What is right to what is wrong? You see in here in verse 7, in verse 6, these four young men 
had beautiful Jewish names. And beautiful not because they're easy to pronounce. Beautiful because they all have the word of God in the name. When the parents gave them these names, they were meant to remind them. Every time they're called by these names, they're reminded the goodness and the grace of God. But guess what Nebuchadnezzar did? He go and changed their name. I don't have time to go through all the names, but he changed their name to represent all the deities, some of the deities that the Babylonians worship. So from so by by the time they changed their name, every time these guys heard of these new Babylonian names, they're reminded that maybe, oh, that God is so far away from us, but these deities, these false gods are actually with us. They're being confused and, and led to confusion that what is right is wrong, what is wrong is right. I can't think about today's world. In just two very simple areas, and yet two very fundamental areas of our lives, gender and marriage. We have more than enough letters to add on to what God originally intended, what gender ought to be, male and female. But now we have LGBTQ, and you can go on and on of every letter that we can add to the variety of gender that we think we can have on ourselves. Think of marriage. It was instituted by God, one man, one woman, and at the same time now we can go one man, one man, one woman, one woman, two man, two woman. We can have any combination we want, and we were left to feel that this is right, this is tolerant, this is acceptable, this is equality. We have been led craftily, intricately to blend in into the world. And as believers, we have a choice to make. Just like Daniel and his friends, they have a choice to make. Do we want to blend in? Or do we want to stand out? Do we want to sit along with them pretending nothing had happened and people wouldn't give us trouble? Or are we going to stand out for God to show that God is enough for us and that God has provided for us what we need? That we will uphold his truth. And for Daniel, we know in this story, he stood out. Daniel stood out for the right reason. Daniel stood out in the right way. And Daniel stood out at the right time. He was not like that streaker in a baseball field that just run around and make a fool of himself so that he would be standing out and make known of his own name. But he stood out for the right reason, at the right way, and at the right time. Let's look, go back here in, in, the, in the story. Verse, we see Daniel stood out for the right reason. Let's go to verse 8. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food and with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Daniel stood out for the right reason. I want you to notice, when did he actually stand out? He stood out. When did he, when did he stand out? He didn't stand out when they changed their name. He didn't stand out when they moved them from Jerusalem to Babylon. He didn't stand out when they were educating them. He stood out of all things when there is beautiful, yummy food right in front of them. The best of wine, the best of food that they can offer to them. And at that issue, for whatever reason, Daniel chose to say, nope, I'm standing out on this. Now, if you were like me, I'll be like, bring it on. Let's go. More food. Best food. Why not? Best wine. Be even better. Oh, just kidding. We don't do that. We're Baptists, so we don't drink. So... Daniel took all the food. He decided, this is the issue that I would stand out. Why? We got to ask ourselves that question. Why do you stand out when there's just good food? And the reason is this. These food that was offered to, to the king are likely food that has been offered 
to the deities and the gods, the so-called gods in Babylon. And for Jewish people, you know, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there are strict dietary laws to preserve the people. There are certain way of cooking, preparing. There are certain way of eating food that preserve the people to help them, not just for dietary reason, but really the heart of it is to stay truthful to God. But when Daniel was uh, was given these king food, king's food and wine, he understood. That by consuming, him and his friends understood when by consuming, you are agreeing, in some ways you are actually participating in worship of these gods, so-called gods. And so it was not because he decided that, well, this is not good food, it is too good of a food. It was because of the name of God that he decided that this is an issue where I need to stand out. That I want to show the people in Babylon, even the king, that my God is the only God that I worship, the God of the Israel, the God of, of, of Israelites, the God of, of Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham. That is the God that will provide for me, even if I don't eat your fine food. And as a result of that, he decided to take, just eat vegetable and water and drink water. It is important for us to realize, to remember that we got to stand out for the right reason. It's never good enough to stand out so that people know us. Daniel and his friends stood up because they wanted people to know God. That God's name would not be defiled. God's name would not be cursed. God's name would not be made fun of. But not only that, Daniel also stood out in the right way. I want you to notice when Daniel stood out in this issue, he did not threaten the eunuch. He did not stage a protest. He did not try to burn down the buildings. Like, you don't, you keep giving me these food. I'm going to burn this whole prison down, this whole house down. What did he do? He simply talked to the authority that was over him. Look at what it says in verse 8. He asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And then you fast forward to verse 12. He continued to speak to the steward of that chief, of that chief eunuch and ask him to offer a test. He said, test your servant, verse 12, for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of our youth who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. You see, there's a way for us to stand out that will completely nullify and negate people's hearing of God. Perhaps you know Christians like that. They speak loudly about who God is, but then they're so obnoxious that, excuse me, some of them, they become very jerk-like, that they can stand on all they want, yet by the time they finish, people have no hearing of who this God is. But that was not the case of Daniel. Daniel did not, did not, did not do something that is rambunctious. Daniel simply offered to ask the chief of eunuch and said, I don't want to define myself. And I want you to notice, notice what the answer of the chief eunuch was. He said, I don't want to lose my head. And guess what Daniel did? Daniel went to the steward. Here's the chief. Here's the steward that's over him. He said, hey, let's, let's get, let's get this. Look at the wisdom in this. He presented a win-win situation. He said, let's do a test for 10 days. I won't eat the king's food. I'll just drink water and eat veggie. For 10 days, if it didn't turn out well, 
then you can give me back the food and you won't lose your head. But if it does work well, you will know my God. So Daniel stood out in the right way. He stood out in the right reason, but not only that, he stood out in the right time. Again, remember, he first approached the chief of eunuch, and I find it very interesting that when in verse 9 he approached him, uh, and, and then even verse 9 particularly, it was recorded that God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of eunuchs. Even though God gave compassion and, and favors to the eunuch, the, the eunuch still said no. He didn't flat out say no. He just said, well, I don't want to lose my head over this. And Daniel at that time could have said, oh, well, whatever, I'll give up. Or he can go like, oh, whatever, I'll just do it later. But instead, he took the opportunity to go and talk to the steward that's assigned over him and presented this win-win situation. So God calls us to stand out. We must stand out for the right reason. We must stand out in the right way and we must stand out at the right time. But I believe one of the greatest barriers for us to stand out Oftentimes it has to be, has to do with our fear of missing out. I believe for many of us, we don't want to stand out for God, stand out for Jesus, because we are worried that we will miss out on things where we will lose out on things. Therefore, the acronym FOMO, the fear of missing out. What if I do stand out for God? My friends might make fun of us. What if I, I stand out for God? I might actually lose my job. What if I stand out? My family might disown me. You're going to be like, Ben, that's crazy. Not in America. Every one of those instances actually are, I know of people who experience that result. Because they stand out for God. But what we see in this story was a beautiful picture of God providing what these young men needed. We may be losing out in the world. God said, you will never lose out in my kingdom. We see every step along the way, even though they're taking veggie and drinking water, God gave them physical health in verse 15. At the end of 10 days, they were better in appearance. And if it says it was fatter in flesh. Then all the other people were eating good food. Which, by the way, tells us, do not take the veggie and water diet. Because when you do that, it says you will get fatter. So don't go on that Daniel diet. But we see God had given them even greater health for eating lesser of food. But not only that, he God also gave them, provided for them, intellectual ability. Verse 17, they, they learn and skill learning and skill in all literature. God gave them great understanding, even spiritual understanding of visions and dreams. And then later on, we see in verse 20 that they're better than the magician, not the training, not the, the, the one who are training magicians, not the, the protege of those enchanters. Those are professional magicians and enchanters. Daniel and his friends are 10 times better. That God supernaturally provided for them in ways that are way better than what the world offered. And finally, God also gave them social influence. I think if you look at verse 21, you may quickly pass by as a time marker in this passage. Verse 21 says this, and Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. 
You know how long that was? That is three kings after Nebuchadnezzar. King Cyrus actually was not a king of Babylon. He was actually the king of Persia. What that tells us is Daniel actually outlasted the entire Babylonian empire. By standing out for God, he did not miss out anything. In fact, God gave him social influence, which later on we will also see that that's one of the reasons perhaps God allowed King Cyrus to brought the God, God's will back into the, the promised land, back to Jerusalem. So we see how God has called us to stand out for him. We see how important it is and what ways we're supposed to do. But the final question we need to resolve is that when it comes to understanding of us, how do we stand out for God? And I believe it wraps up in this one word in verse 8. How do you and I stand out for God in today's world? If you go to verse 8, here's what it says. But Daniel resolved I want you to circle that word or put your finger on that word Daniel resolved you know what resolved is resolved is purposed resolved is predetermined resolved is predeciding resolved is I'm going to make a decision before the circumstances actually take place you see, Daniel did not just show up at the front of the food and say, mm, should I eat this or should I not eat this? Should I just stay faithful to God or should I not stay faithful to God? You see, by the time the food came, Daniel has already resolved, predetermined, predecided that he will stay faithful to God. He did not wait till the temptation comes and say, should I, should I not? He already resolved to do that. He did not wake up one morning and say, oh, today I will stay faithful to God. He made the decision he made the commitment to stay faithful to God way before a temptation even show up. So he's not like you and I when the food comes that we're thinking, well, we start rationalizing. Well, it's okay only one time. I can always ask for forgiveness later. Or we say, well, everybody else is eating it. I mean, let's not be a loser. I mean, the rest of the young men are eating it. They seem to be fine. Why the four of us? Or we might be thinking, well, the food looks good. I mean, if God doesn't want us to eat it, I'm sure God can take it away. He wouldn't have brought it in front of me just because it's in front of me. It must be God's deliverance, his provision for me. You see, Daniel resolved way before. Way before that day, he would commit to God and stay faithful to God. It reminds me of another teenager, Jonathan Edwards. One of the most influential theologians in America. Some people, even non-believers, dubbed him to be one of the greatest American mind in U.S. history. Jonathan Edwards, a pastor, preacher, revival uh, preacher in the 1700s. He did amazing things and his work continued to impact us today as in churches and Christians. But when he was 19 years old, similar age to Daniel and his three friends, God laid on him this burden to wrestle, to think, to predecide, to resolve his commitment to God. He wrote by age 19, 70, 70, 70 resolutions. That he will be committed and be faithful to God. 
70 resolutions in different parts of his life, different areas of your life that he will resolve completely to live for God and God alone. I want to read just a couple for us. Here's the, the fifth resolution is, is that I resolve never to lose one moment in time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. A useful one for us in COVID-19 season. Uh, number 14, I resolved never to do anything out of revenge. Number 30, I resolved to strive to my uttermost every week to be brought higher in religion, meaning in this walk with God, and to a higher exercise of grace than I was the week before. At age 19, which is the same age for many of you listening, and at that age, he has resolved like Daniel that he will live solely and only for God. Here's my challenge for us this week. Spend time to write down three, three resolutions in your life at this moment. It's never too late. Maybe you're older than 19, older than 15. doesn't matter. It's never too late. Resolve today to live for God. And for those of us who are younger, determine early in your life that you will not compromise. You will not in your heart and your life that you will not compromise your commitment to God. I want to challenge us. Resolved to the vegetable and the water. And I don't mean it literally, but what I mean by that is let's resolve ourselves to do the mundane, quote unquote, the boring things. But the things that God has prescribed through his word. Resolve to take the water, resolve to take the vegetable and what seemed to be less significant in the world. What too many other people think that it is not important. But when the scripture says those are important, the spiritual basics, the spiritual mundane things. Let's consume those water. Let's consume those quote unquote lesser things. Because when the time comes, when you are resolved to take those lesser things in the eyes of the world, God will use you to stand out for him in powerful and magnificent way. I want to suggest that some of us might need to resolve. Resolve to worship God every single Sunday. Particularly during this time in COVID that nobody would know. Nobody would realize even if you're showing up or not. I want you to challenge the resolve to show up no matter what. And even when we come back from COVID. Resolve to be there to worship with people of God. Unless there's emergency. Because for many of us, that is not a resolve that we have. So when someone calls us out to go hang out, when something small to come up, when we're at a birthday party, when there's an event, we will go for those things because we haven't made the resolution to stay faithful and worshiping God with God's people. Some of us need to resolve to stay pure before marriage. Don't let the length of time that you've been dating or how close you are to getting married derail you from the purpose of God in your marriage. You need to resolve to stay pure. Some of us need to resolve to fill our mind with what is godly, what is holy, what is noble, what is pure. So that when things pop up into our computer, when there's a show, the hottest show there's going on, the trendiest music, the greatest movie that all your friends are talking about, you have resolved to not fill your mind with violence, with sex, with the things of the world so we don't get indoctrinated by the ways of the world. And for some of us, we just need to resolve to be obedient, to listen, and to obey everything else, everything this word has tells us to do. That we choose and commit to be obedient even when it doesn't make sense, even if it costs us. 
See, when we resolve to live faithfully for God, we don't need to look for opportunities to stand out for God. Opportunities will come find you. Daniel never planned to stand up for God in this issue of food. But because he resolved to live committedly to God and faithfully to God, when the temptation comes, his resolving commitment lead him to stand out for God. I also want to take a side, side note here. I want to speak particularly to those of us who are watching this. If you work with young people, if you work with children, youth, if you are a parent, I want to ask you this question. How are you preparing your youngster to make, to resolve to live for God? Now, are we prepared our young people that when God somehow allowed them to take them to their Babylons, for many of us that means in their college campuses, that they've been moved to those places that are far away, that is anti-Christian, that are post-Christian. Are we preparing our young people? Have we helped them to make this resolution and help them to resolve to live for God so strongly that when temptation comes at their Babylon, that they are standing up, standing out for God? Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the food. As a result of that, verse 19, they stood before the king. They were given an opportunity to be a living, walking, healthy, fat testimony of what God can do when we stay faithful to him. They get to tell a story. A visible story, visible testimony to King Nebuchadnezzar, which we find out in chapter 4. He himself, because of looking at these youngsters' life, put his trust in God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word reminding us again how great you are. So God, I just pray for us this week that what will take time, the Spirit of God will cause us to make some resolution in our lives. God, you know what is important. You know what we're struggling with. You know the craftiness of Satan and how he constantly trying to isolate, assimilate, indoctrinate, and confuse us. So God, help us to put down roots, put our foot down, and by the grace of God, help us to resolve to live for you and you alone. So that when temptation comes, so that when the world squeezes us, we will not be squeezed into the mold of this world, but to the contrary, that we will transform and stand out for you. So that this world will know that our God is greater. That we have a living God who is worthy of our praise. So God be with us. Help us to continue to reflect on your word as we sing our last song in worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.